A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, if you like wrestling rumours, do I have the wrestling rumours for you? Because over the last 24 hours, there have been a bunch of reports that apparently both CM Punk and Daniel Bryan are going to sign with AEW. And straight away, everyone's like, oh, what's going to happen to the numbers? What's going to happen to the competition? We don't have to care about that. We are just one human being, one entity watching wrestling on our TV screens. And if that did go down, I know I would be having more fun than somebody playing Nintendo. So the best thing that we can do is just take it easy and see how it plays out on all of these programs because you just never know. But it's always good to anticipate because that's what life is all about. So we shall have to wait and see. But before then, we did have another episode of AEW Dynamite Fighter Fest Round 2. But was it any good or did it suck balls? Regret saying that, but let's take the finger of power and give the good bits an up and the bad bits a down. did I laugh at the start of this week's Dynamite because Justin Roberts was doing his announcing duties and he said well the first match is going to be Chris Jericho versus Sean Spears and Sean Spears can use a chair but Chris Jericho is not allowed what even is wrestling it's the best this was of course the first labor that MJF has set Chris Jericho to and I like this story already because you know where it's going to go the whole time like oh I wonder what the next labor is going to be and given that this ended with a massive surprise well, you can now turn my anticipation up to 47. Jericho was really intelligent as well because he just knocked the chair out of Sean Spears' hand to begin with and then started throwing him on the outside. I mean, that will do it. You can't use a chair if you're dead. Sadly, it wasn't foolproof because Spears then got another one from outside the ring and as Jericho jumped off the ropes, he just got thwacked right in the arm and never forget that arm is the injured one and you're not going to be a good wrestler if you lose a limb. I think 100% of the people agree with this. Jericho then fought back and flipped off all those idiots from a few months ago and they said, oh, he shouldn't be doing these big moves because despite being nearly 50 or maybe he is 50 now, he did one of the best hurricane runners off the top rope, Frankensteiner, you have ever seen. And I ordered me went, man, 
That was absolutely poetic. I mean, if I do that, I just land right on my head. Soon afterwards, we hit the shenanigans button, which I guess did make sense, given that it is still the pinnacle versus the inner circle, because Tully Blanchard, that little son of a gun, distracted the referee as Sean Spears was tapping out to the walls of Jericho. But out came Sammy Guevara, he tried to stop this, and then Sean Spears hit the C4, which nobody has ever kicked out of. Until right now, the champion got the shoulder up. So that was a great spot, and Spears then just decided, well, why don't I combine my big old finishing move with a chair? That will surely do the job. But instead, he walked right into the Judas effect, and Chris Jericho has passed his first labor of love. Not love, but I've said it now, so we move on. So we got a bit wild towards the end there, but all that really matters is that Jericho did come out the winner. And also, I don't mind when the bad guys try and do a distraction if the good guys stop them doing it, because that's the point. It makes the villains look like morons and it makes the heroes look like heroes. As, as already mentioned too, I was like, oh man, I wonder what the next labor is going to be. And we found out straight away, because MGF, who had been doing commentary, and was very funny by the way, he walked away from that announced table. He got on the microphone, he said, here's a couple of things. Next time, you're not allowed any outside help, but also you're gonna be taking on Flipping Nick Gage. This was like an end of level boss being brought out, like Goro had just arrived. And it's why all this Forbidden Door stuff is so good. Because most wrestling fans know the reputation of Nick Gage. We're like, oh great, Chris Jericho's in trouble. Someone's gonna murder him and his name is Nick Gage. So it's just so much fun, it's so entertaining. Now I'm all like, oh my gosh, the fifth labor's probably gonna be Suzuki from New Japan or something. I mean, AEW is just turning into wrestling Smash Brothers and I am enjoying every single second of it. Up. Miro promo next, he's still bonkers and brilliant, and I think he was wearing a Bloodsport shirt. So if that isn't more teasing and more hinting, I don't know what is. And I'm very excited to see who his next victim is going to be, which is basically what he was talking about here too. It was then time for our elite hunter to try and take out his prey properly, because it was Frankie Kazarian taking on Luke Gallows. And I just knew something was up here, because if you are an elite hunter and you have to have an extended story, you can't just win on round one. That wouldn't make any sense. And given that he was fighting Luke Gallows, you just knew that Carl Anderson was going to get involved because that's just what the good brothers do. And sure, I totally understand. Having one match with a distraction and a second match with a distraction, well, sometimes it makes you go, huh, I wonder why we're doing this so much. But to all those crazy people that keep coming at me going, nah, 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 I reviewed WWE for four years before I introduced counters and I think we can give All Elite Wrestling the same go. But it was because of all of this that Frankie walked into a big tree slam and got beaten. And then afterwards, Gallows and Anderson really went to town on him because they gave him the Magic Killer 2. So it's almost as if Frankie Kazarian is going to need a brand new tag team partner. And I wonder who that could be. Kenny Omega came out afterwards to gloat about all of this and even had the line that the Elite Hunter had become the Elite Hunted. But he delivered it in such a stupid way. He is just the best moron in all of wrestling. And just as they were about to beat him up some more, who came out to make the save but Hangman Adam Page? This man is like the most popular guy around. Even though he was outnumbered, he was going to get in there and throw some fists anyway until, of course, his buddies, the Dark Order, came out to balance the books. And next week, we are going to have that big tag team elimination match. All of this just worked excellently. The all-out main event, I presume, is going to be Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega. And the anticipation is through the roof. I'm giving it up. We then had a big old tease that Brian Cage is going to absolutely wreck Team Taz next week because he was watching a promo here by Ricky Starks. Like, man, I'm so happy I'm FTW champion. I love the color orange. And next week I should have a celebration. Brian was fine with this because he loves celebrations. 
So expect him to decimate all of them in around about seven days. However, let's also take this moment to remind ourselves that given the happenings of this evening, if AEW wants to, they can do Cage versus Page versus Gage versus Cage. So that needs to happen. If there are any wrestlers out there that have the last name of Rage, I would send your CV in straight away. And if you just so happen to be a mage, then why the hell aren't you on the phone? And yes, I know, I'm a massive idiot. Darby Allen was then taking on Wheeler Utah, who, yes, still has the best name in all of professional wrestling. But I want to take this moment to go on a slight tangent and just say, I love Sting. Because here we have a dude that has done it all. He's a bona fide legend. He's a multiple time world champion. He could call the shots and do whatever the hell he wants to do. But instead, he looks at modern day professional wrestling and he just absolutely gets it. I wonder why I'm talking about, well, because the Stinger and Orange Cassidy were on the outside supporting their respective teams, they got into one of Orange Cassidy's, well, I can't be bothered kick battles. And Sting was just absolutely tremendous. He even did his like whack on the chest taunt like he couldn't even be bothered to get out of it. So I was just sports entertained. I don't really like to use that word, but I do because it makes me chuckle and it just makes me like Sting even more one of the best ever. And the match back in the ring was really good too, especially Wheeler Utah, because he's getting really smart. He knew that Darby Allen had a bad mix section given that he decided to throw himself through a coffin last week. So he was like, all right, well, I got a bunch of tools in my arsenal and I'm just going to aim it at your tum-tum. He was never going to win though, because that would have made no sense. And eventually Allen not only hit the stunner, but he hit the coffin drop and he got the one, two, three. But I will tell you this. I don't know what it is about my man Wheels. I just like him. Plus he has a damn good beard. And for that, and because of the match, and everything before that, it's getting it up. Blade also attacked Orange Cassidy afterwards with the Brass Knucks, as they are going to have their match later. We'll talk about it when we get there. Because before that, we had Britt Baker versus Nala Rose for the AEW Women's title. And fair play to everybody that has been involved in this, because it felt like a big deal to me, because they've given it time and they've given it space. To the point, I was surprised that it was going on here. I thought it would start the show and end the show. Although by the time we did get to the end of the show, we found out why. I thought this was pretty good. Up. The best part is that All Elite Wrestling is going to have to maybe come up with a new pathway for Britt Baker because she was so over here and got such a crazy reaction. I think we just got to hold our hands up and say, yep, well, she's a dentist, but she's also a baby face. This was laid out as expected as well, given that Britt was like, well, Nyla Rose is really big, so I better use my technical skills. And Nyla Rose was like, yes, I am really, really big. So I'm going to grab you and I'm just going to try and break you in two. Many times she did. But at one point she did this backbreaker fall away slam thing that looked absolutely devastating. But when Britt was back on her feet, she ran over to Rebel. She's like, give me the glove, give me the glove. So she got the glove as if it was going to help. I was like, Britt, it is just a piece of clothing and it didn't work. This all led to Nyla hitting that crazy jumping knee as Britt Baker was hanging over the top rope. And then they started to play wrestling tennis. Because Baker kicked, so Rose choke slam, so Britt went for the crucifix powerbomb, and Nyla just started throwing forearms. This was back and forth stuff. We then did yet have another distraction as Rebel jumped on the apron to get in the referee's face. But do you want to know how AEW got away with this? Because Britt went and got the title, and she did the whole Eddie Guerrero thing when she fell on the floor and pretended that Nyla had hit her. And even though that spot has basically been around for 20 years, it still makes me laugh. Had a massive smile on my face. It didn't work at all though, which left the champion in a bad position and she got hit by the beast bomb, but she was able to kick out a two. So Nyla Rose was like, fine, I'll give you another one. But instead, Britt Baker was able to reverse it into the locked jaw and Nyla Rose tapped out. I thought this was very well put together. We then just had a really good segment too between FTR and Santana Ortiz. Basically like a press conference that Tony Schiavone was hosting and FTR were like, oh man, you guys are just like us. The proud and the powerful were like, no, we are not. 
you absolute goofs. Because the Inner Circle members were talking about their childhood and how they grew up and Santana was making references to his mother and I was like, oh, excuse me, there's something in my eye. It just made you like them so much. What we need to do is they need to beat FTR when they do take on each other next week and then they should start facing the Young Bucks and become the brand new tag team champion. Because I checked it on my magical watch and it said, it's time. AEW then had more surprises. I mean, how many do they have? And all the negative Nancy's like, oh, it's too many, I don't like it. Are you flabbing kidding me? I would take a wrestling company that gave me surprises each and every single week because they are the best. And when things are the best, they get enough. But it started with Andrade, who was still looking for the death triangle. But before he got there, he wanted to introduce his new partner, his new manager, his new best buddy. And it was none other than Chavo Guerrero. Everyone went crazy and I was going crazy too. I love Charlo. He put Andrade over, obviously. Imagine he had done anything else before the Death Triangle did arrive. So thankfully they found them. And the long and the short of it is that Andrade doesn't want Penta and Phoenix to team up with Pac anymore. He wants them to come and join him. And if they do, they're all going to be champions. Pac obviously wasn't into this. And he tried to make it clear, these are my friends. These are my family. We're together as a unit. But I quite like this tease now because I can see a world where Phoenix and Penta do turn on Pac and they do join Andrade, and they become bad guys, because then they'd be ready to take on Santana Ortiz, if they do indeed win the belts. The triangle were gonna rush the ring too, but referees are out there to break it up, and I genuinely wanna see where this is gonna go. It switched on my intrigue organ. And the real disappointment is that Chavo Guerrero's music doesn't start by going, ooh, Chavo, which was the greatest thing ever. But I liked all of this. They just all work well together. The bond between Christian Cage and Jurassic Express then continued to get deeper and deeper because earlier on, House Hardy had tried to beat up Christian again. So now he said, look, let's just stop it next week. We can do a big old tag team match. We'll obviously beat you. And then we can all say goodbye. I'm like, yeah, that works for me. I'll see you in a week. I think we also learned that QT Marshall is going to apologize to Tony Schiavone for pouring a protein shake over his head last week. However, when he was talking to Alex Marvez, he said he shall do this in seven days. I don't know about you, if I was going to issue an offer an apology to someone, I would do it right then and right there. So if I were you, Tone, I wouldn't go near him because he's probably going to get some pre-workout. Stick it up your ass. Orange Cassidy versus The Blade followed. And while this feud has seemed a little bit weird to me, like I don't know where it started, I don't actually know what they're mad at each other about, the fans love Orange Cassidy so much and go so wild for all of his moves and all of his spots. I get into it as well. It just works. So up. Orange Cassidy ensured that he jumped the blade to begin with. Obviously earlier, he'd been punched in the head by the brass knucks. And then almost instantly, the blade was on the floor like, oh no, my leg, how am I going to open my butcher shop tomorrow? But because he is just a massive asshole, he was feigning injury. And man, did he boot Orange Cassidy right in the face. They then went to the top rope though, and let us never forget that wrestlers are insane. Because when they were perched up there, the blade gave Orange Cassidy a powerbomb and just slammed his head right into the top turnbuckle. Orange Cassidy then fell out of the ring to the floor. I was like, well, there is no way that could have been fake, as some people say. It must have hurt like hell. My word. Now, I don't think they teach that in butcher school. And it also sent Chris Statlander and the Bunny Wild because, of course, they had accompanied their friends out to the ring. And at first, they kind of cancelled each other out. But then, rah, we hit the shenanigans button. Because the bunny started to make so much noise, everyone was like, oh, I don't know what's going on. So she slipped the brass knucks to the blade. But as I said earlier, this was the time for the bad guy to hit his canuppance. So Orange Cassidy missed them. He hit the orange punch and he pinned him and he beat him. And surely now this is done. Cassidy made sure of that when he then hit the blade with the brass knucks. 
I suppose we had a good fun few weeks here. I don't think it's going to last long in the memory. But not everything has to be a five-star classic. Chris Jericho then lost his damn mind. That is just what Nick Gage does. Because he was in the locker room with the back to the camera saying how dangerous this match is going to be. And because it is a dangerous match, he needs to become the most deranged version of Chris Jericho possible. So he turned around and, oh, can you believe it? He has become the pain maker that you may remember when he was in New Japan. Now, look, given that when he was in the inner circle and teaming up with MJF, he absolutely destroyed the Young Bucks' dad. I would have gone with that version of Chris Jericho. But I thought this was really cool. It did make him feel different. And now you can have a bit of a different match when we do do this next week. It's a little bit like when Mankind was like, oh no, I'm Cactus Jack now. Triple H was like, oh, I can't believe it. All you gotta do is sell it right and believe in it. It always works for me. AEW then got to their main event and they did something that is going to serve them well for months, if not years to come. Because it was a Texas death match for the IWGP US title between John Moxley and Lance Archer. And if you can believe it, Lance Archer won. Now, firstly, that's a New Japan belt changing hands on AEW television, so they've definitely got a good working relationship. But also, do before this, nobody thought Lance Archer was going to win. Everyone's like, well, I'm sure John Moxley will just walk through that one and come out as the champion. But now he hasn't. Every time you do watch a match, you'll be like, well, I think I know what's going to go down, but I can't be sure because Lance Archer beat John Moxley, so now I don't know what I'm going to do. The rules here, too, were that you can only win by submission or keeping your opponent down for a count of 10. And because of that, these two guys just went absolutely crazy. I mean, a kendo stick was being used almost instantly, and Lance Archer was like, well, that doesn't hurt me. Then they were on the outside and throwing each other into the barricade. And I honestly think that was about 60 seconds in. They were then fighting in the crowd and using structures to jump off of when Lance Archer grabbed a fan and used him as a projectile. Now, I understand this was a plant, but it still made me go, what the flub is going on? I was half surprised that Lance didn't get him and go, whoop, and launch him through the ceiling. Archer was then choke slamming Moxie onto a bunch of chairs, which looked horrible as John Moxie continued to hit him in the balls. And of course, both guys were struggling to get to their feet, as you would. I honestly believe they were trying to kill each other, and then there was blood pouring out of Lance Archer's head. This really was a terrific match, and these two guys just have great chemistry. You just knew that something ridiculous was coming, so for the second time in wrestling this week, the fork was back. Why are we so obsessed with the fork? But this one may have been even worse, because they were basically stabbing each other in the head, like they didn't realize that if you take a metal spiky thing, it's really, really, really going to hurt. This was the worst, too, when Lance had it, because he just had John Moxley, and he honestly went blah, 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 like it was a machine gun. And then we had a barbed wire board that was just thrown into the mix. So Lance Archer grabbed Tom Moxley and he chucked him through it. And surprise, surprise, that was the end. Mox wasn't able to make it to his feet. But the commentators were great here too, because they were like, well, I think he could be dead. But also, he's not able to get up because his skin is stuck in the barbed wire. Flub me it was. This sent me and the fans loopy because again, you just didn't expect it. And then there was more. Because earlier in the evening, we had been shown New Japan's Hikuleu, who I think may be the son of Haku. So I just want to say he's the greatest person ever. I don't want to get into that again. And this dude is so tall, he made Lance Archer look small. And next week, those two are going to fight for the IWGP US Championship. Are you kidding me? Which brought us to the end of another dynamite, and they are just on fire right now because it's here, there, and everywhere, and it's like an emotional roller coaster. And really, right now, wrestling all over the shop is on fire because this was great, and SmackDown was great, and Money in the Bank was great, and Raw is Raw, but it's always going to be a three hour wacky wrestling show. I am having a fabulous time as a wrestling fan, and overall, I'm giving it an up. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.